0: very warm welcome to the Understanding Users podcast, brought to you by Researchable UX. It's great to have you with me. I'm your host, Mike Green. I'm a freelance user research lead and digital consultant based in the UK. Over the coming weeks, I'm going to be chatting to various digital experts who I've had the pleasure of working with in recent years. They're from various disciplines, including user research, UX design, development, and product management. And they'll even be a digital business owner or two. I'll be talking to them about how they came to be in their current roles, what they've learned along the way, and what advice they may have for others getting into the field. These are intended to be relaxed, informal chats with professionals who are keen to share their experiences, so sit back and enjoy. This is the final of a three-part episode of Understanding Users, in which I chat with the keynote speakers at the fully remote 2022 UCD gathering conference. Errol Fox is a senior designer at Simply Secure, and a PhD researcher at Newcastle University. Errol tells me about their career to date, the way they work, and outlines their keynote address at the UCD gathering, which is entitled Centering Human Rights and Trauma in Design. Finally, they play my three-card challenge to share their favourite UX tool, favourite technique, and a trend they hope to see more of in the future. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy the episode. So this time I'm talking to Errol Fox, who's another one of the keynote speakers at the UCD Gathering uh, event. Great to have you on the show, Errol.
1: Hi, nice to meet you too.
0: Could you kick off by telling us a little bit about yourself, Errol, and the work you do and what you're up to at the moment?
1: I didn't study design. I find that, I, I think that it's quite interesting. Um, I think maybe it's more common nowadays that people don't study design in in some capacity, that people are coming to design from a different Different perspectives, but I I did fine art in university. I did fine art for a a long time, but I made weird art with computers. So I guess it lent itself towards design a little bit more than, say, uh, when I was a sculptor or when I was doing um, illustration. Um, After I decided that being an artist was not going to sustain my ability to live particularly well, I decided to move into design, I've always had an interest in um, solving problems and and using computers and the internet generally. I went into a number of different uh, internships uh, of all different types uh, before I landed my first uh, quote unquote proper job, uh, which was a dot com insurance website, a fairly well known one. And yeah, I really learned uh, a lot of how to be a designer on the job, as it were. So um, and, you know, self-taught, but self-taught back when there weren't as many like YouTube playlists of how to do different design related things, you know. So it was uh, a lot of maybe like training from different um, software vendors and things like that that I I did. Um, I kind of had a bit of a... career crisis at at one point. I I had a lot of um, personal circumstances that were quite complicated around 2014 and 2015. My dad got um, really sick. He he got uh, cancer and I had to move back home to do a caring role. And um, I had started a master's in graphic communication a couple of years before then and had to pause um, for a lot of these complicated life circumstances. And I was doing a full-time lead design role while I was caring for my dad and my mum who is um has been uh chronically ill for a really long time. Uh so I suddenly sort of found myself as a lead designer with two dependents, two parent dependents. Um and yeah, I had a bit of a career crisis after um my uh, dad passed away and I was thinking about the kind of design that I did. I was thinking I'm selling stuff to people, you know, I'm selling stuff sometimes that I don't necessarily believe in. I know that part of a designer's job is to find the good reasons why somebody would want something like that. Things won't exist unless, you know, there is a purpose for things and it's all about solving problems. But I really wanted um, my design to do good in in a very kind of clear and and, um, obvious way for me. Uh, So I after my dad passed away, I finished my master's and I did a, a project that was really centered around how to improve the user experience of terminal care. There were a lot of things that I experienced while caring for my dad that I was like, "Gosh, the user experience of this is awful." Um, <laughs> in a lot of different ways, like um, I made a game where when you receive all of the um, health aids or all the the mobility aids, uh, they don't really tell you how much space all those things will take up. And I had a little car, so I made a game of like kind of Legos uh, and um, Tetris, where you had to kind of put all the different healthcare equipment into a small section so and there was a few other things that I did around that and um, so after I made you know had that life experience and I've always been interested and involved in community work so as I was working in design I have volunteered for lots and lots of different initiatives from like environmental initiatives to local councils to asylum seeking uh, refugee groups um, homework clubs for kids that have recently um, come into the country and things like that and I really wanted to combine those things, you know, my volunteer um, uh, interests and and my design skills. And I happened to find a job going at Ushahidi. Ushahidi is a Kenyan uh, tech company or a tech NGO um, that was created in 2007 when the Kenyan elections, the first democratic elections were happening, and they had a, a technology tool, a platform, where it was helping people to tell the stories of what was happening around Kenya when people were being stopped voting, uh, you know, so actively being forced to vote a certain way or actively being suppressed in violent ways. Um, And I joined Ushahidi as uh, one of the two designers on the team. So we really shared a lead role there for a few years. And I got to work on, frankly, like amazing projects, you know, projects that I think a lot of designers would you know really adore to work on because they're they're super tricky super involved super complex problems that really do help um people out uh like problems about uh speaking truth to power and democracy and peace and values education for countries and uh, now i um uh work at simply secure Uh, Simply Secure really focuses on privacy and security in the internet and human rights activists and uh, open source software. And I do a lot of what I did similarly at Ushihidi. So lots of for good projects, lots of internet freedom projects with, frankly, an absolutely amazing team of people. I couldn't ask for better colleagues and better folks to be working with.
0: Thank you so much for sharing all of that. Just to pick up on a couple of the points you made there, Errol, how, in your view, can uh, designers, researchers, service designers ensure that they have the maximum impact on, on the product teams they're working with and by extension, obviously, critically, the users that they're designing for?
1: There's lots of different ways, but the one that I'm really interested in at the moment, and we really try and do a lot of it at Simply Secure, is a really involved co-design process. I think that one of the hardest things that I found, even in the the, uh, commercial, outside of the non-for-profit world, was really how to ensure that users have a voice that is equitable, Um, so that it's not being funneled through a quote-unquote, you know, skilled designer. You know, we we sort of um, assume a certain status as a designer. And while we're trained to do a certain role, for sure, we we are skilled and we do have those um, skills uh, in order to take insights and and turn them into how um, something will benefit um, and be most usable for people. I think that there is uh, this kind of narrative that has been really... uh, supported through um kind of compliance in a way like just lazy kind of compliance like I think things are changing at the moment to try and decolonialize the way that we do design but I think that one of the best ways that you can you can make your design amazing is by really involving people in the process of that design and really investing in how how people engage with the subject matter because I think that there's only a certain amount of insight that you'll get in snippets of interviews or snippets of workshops or snippets of certain things um, And I've always taken as much as I possibly can within the limits of whatever project I'm working on uh, like this uh, deeper ethnographic apo- approach so trying to you know as uh, ethically and appropriately as possible really understand what what communities and what people are working with and dealing with and experiencing day to day.
0: So if you could summarise in a in a sentence, one sentence for each one, what you love about what you do, Errol, and equally what frustrates you.
1: Okay. What I love about what I do is I am constantly learning. There's constantly new things that I am uh, able to learn about, experience and understand. And it's not necessarily from a design perspective always a design perspective it's sometimes from a human that human perspective like what it's like to have this problem in this location or what is it like for that person doing that activity Um, and I think that's really rich and really interesting for me um what frustrates me at the moment working primarily in internet freedom and and grant funded work or uh um NGO work is there's a real tricky thing with grant funded work and NGO work where the funding assumes an outcome already. A lot of funding already assumes an outcome. It says build a X for X, as opposed to discover what these people for this problem need, and then uh, tell us kind of what the best solution is. Some of it is changing towards that, but not enough. And I think that's endlessly frustrating to try and then the rules of um, grants uh, for for technology and design projects.
0: Thinking now about the UCD gathering event that you're going to be speaking at, tell me a little bit about your talk, uh, what it's about and and what you hope people will take from it.
1: Yeah, so this is a slightly adapted version of a talk that I've given a few times. And it's about, um, largely it's about some of my experiences with a couple of projects at Ushahidi where, it was one of my first times as a designer really being confronted by and working with very obviously traumatic subject matter and from other people, users or or the humans that we're designing for. And then also within that confrontation with their trauma, it was understanding what my relationship as a, a person with, you know, things that are things that I've experienced in life traumas or you know experiences and how that how I relate to that within my design practice and I really started to think after these a few projects like what it what does it mean to have knowledge or experience of traumatic subject matter within your design practice and how appropriate is that to bring into the work that you do how do you bring it in um conversationally how do you how do you Make sure that you are thinking in a way that um, we kind of strange to say, but prioritises traumatic experiences and the um, the harm that certain things can possibly do. So I, I tell a couple of stories within the um, within the talk, uh, the primary one is uh, around a project that was very centered around peace and values education in Kenya and Rwanda particularly around um, sorry content warnings uh, for quite a lot of um, sensitive subjects uh, from now on and quite difficult words but um, project it was a project around like what what does it look like in communities after a genocide, a tribal and ethnic kind of um, related uh, conflict? Um, And what do people do? And how do people do the reconciliation and and the education work? But also, how does technology in some way get designed? And how does it support people doing that work? Um, And I think one of the the things that I am trying to do in the talk uh, is tell a story about quite an obvious account really of, of how I as a designer was very very clearly faced with traumatic subject matter so we were we were asking our um, participants to do the typical kind of design activities persona work journey mapping and things like that and um, I don't know about many people but it was one of the like first times that I'd seen like on a journey map things like sounds of bullets and you know um, kidnapping kind of being detailed and it kind of made me think wow you know there are people out there with varied experiences of of trauma and how are we ensuring as designers that we are inclusive of how we care for them within those experiences because I've had um, a few experiences where I've been listening to talks or looking at people's work and thought, oh, I wonder what this would be like for the kind of person that has a real hard time with this kind of subject matter. Um, or what about, you know, food poverty? You know, what is, what is it like shopping for groceries when you are in food po- poverty? Like, what is the user experience of that? And, and how traumatic is it? Do we really consider how we, like, design that kind of experience for the people that are most vulnerable? what is it like for you know somebody that is um you know under real maybe like has a real traumatic experience with uh, a social interaction and what does social media do around those kinds of things and how do we design those experiences so largely the talk is about those stories the presentation of those really obvious um traumatic subject matters and then it really tries to open up the possibility of you have very likely, no matter how much design you've done in your career, designed something for somebody that will find that subject matter traumatic in some way. And how how would you think about that? So, in you know, financial services, how have you thought about people in financial pov- poverty? In you know, any kind of um, design related, you know, uh, space, how are we thinking about the people that could be potentially harmed the most? And how are we making space for them? Um, and it also to some extent tries to open up a process that I started doing after the two projects which was really trying to understand like where my relationship with the subject matter comes from does it come from a place of personal trauma does it come from a place of having experiences like that how uh, much or how little uh, do I want to bring that into the the conversation how is that um best served within the team that I'm in or is it is it something that I'm not yet ready to bring into a team?
0: What, if you were to summarise, again, let's say a sentence, what you hope attendees at, at your talk will take away from it in terms of kind of techniques or insights?
1: The The very kind of simple technique is to do the activities yourself that you are requesting people do. I, I think that one of the things that we don't do enough of as designers is... Uh, I think it's called dog fooding in some some um, uh, areas, maybe software development. But we don't um, we don't often ask ourselves to do the activities that we request of uh, users of humans that we want to design for, um, and really consider it from a lot of different uh, perspectives. And we don't ask our colleagues to do it as well. Like you know, I think that one of the things that I really enjoyed enjoyed is a weird word, but um, found. Enlightening was really strongly requesting that the people involved in this um, peace building work do all of the activities that we were going to be asking these these people to do and understanding what it was like to revisit that content or revisit content that was similar. So it's not really a groundbreaking new um activity a new theory or a new um way of doing things it is really like a, a sense of what are you doing to spend time reflecting on your own experiences and what what the nature of a designer requesting insight actually is you know what are you what's the transaction that's happening and how can you begin to understand what that transaction means
0: fascinating stuff look forward to it last thing my three card challenge. So I've got here three playing cards. Uh, and on the back of each, I've written either tool, technique or trend. So if I could get you, Errol, just to choose a card.
1: The jack of spades.
0: Jack of spades is a technique. So what's your favorite or go-to technique in your day-to-day work?
1: I think I'm going to have to go more broadly because day-to-day, we we do so many very different things. It's simply secure that sometimes, you know, it feels a bit like a ping pong um, table of work, but um, I will I will talk about a technique that I recently gave a really short um lecture at Imperial College London a couple of weeks ago with OpenIDO. Um, I'm part of the OpenIDO London chapter and help organize um events. And I uh, we were talking to the some of the students that were working on an innovation challenge. And one of the things that I learned recently in my PhD. Um, which is hard, anybody considering doing a PhD, gosh. Um, I learned about a technique which is autoethnography. And I read a a fantastic paper where a a person uh, did an autoethnographic writing uh, exercise over a number of years about living without a mobile phone. And I taught the uh, students a very brief um, way of doing some autoethnography, um, and what I tried to do was uh, make it more achievable than the paper, which was over several years. Uh, so you know you need a lot of endurance to do that. So I used just a simple technique, which is uh, three minutes of the activity, two minutes of um, free writing, so just writing whatever comes to mind about the activity that you you've just done yourself, and then like ten seconds to thirty seconds of like palate cleansing, not doing any anything if you can. And um, I uh, had the students do this three times and what they were doing autoethnography wise was using their phones. So for for you in your practice, it might be, you know, if you're doing something around, uh, you know, food, maybe it's like doing some cooking or, you know, anything that is about like trying to uh, write your own experience of of, um, of an activity. And I had the students do this three times because the first time they were like, oh, isn't this funny? We've got to do this activity. But by the third time, they were writing down some really fascinating insights about their own behaviours. And they really found it um, surprisingly uh, insightful and reflective again. So if we've got a theme, it's about reflection on your practice.
0: Brilliant. Okay, Two more cards then.
1: Oh, gosh. Uh, The Queen of Diamonds.
0: So Queen of Diamonds is trend. Gosh,
1: I know which one I want to talk about, and it's a hot potato um, or a hot topic, I suppose, in that it's polarising. I'm interested and reading a lot about the metaverse and AR and VR and what it's like to experience spaces that are very new as people. And I think that the thing that I'm interested in about that as a trend is, again, to some extent, thematically, it's about how we ensure that people are aware of their rights, their human rights, how they're aware of their privacy and security, and how we care for people as designers when we design these kinds of experiences. I I kind of think a lot about that. fairly famous story I'm not sure what car company it was but they didn't go through the proper sort of design protocols or safety protocols and then they were really unsafe cars and it's about that lesson about how good design ensures safety as well as ensures like innovation and new things Um, so I'm interested in what designers will do that is prioritizing healthy happy humans beyond those that are privileged in in the metaverse like what does identity mean what does it mean to you know have a space that where you could be anything it's it's very freeing in a lot of ways but it's also a lot of power so yeah I'm interested in that trend but I'm not really sure where I fall yet in the spectrum of supportive or maybe not so supportive unsure and the last one Ah, uh, the Ace of Hearts, okay. Is? A tool.
0: Tool. So a tool. Again, maybe your day-to-day work, maybe more broadly, but you're something, a, a tool that you use that you like or that you, is your go-to.
1: This is hard. This is harder than I thought it was going to be. Um, I've got a lot of tools that I use. There's a lot of tools that I love that I don't use as much. I think that the tool that I really want to talk about is... More of a, a method tool than necessarily a tool that you would build in. So I, I've used um, I've used um, gosh, what's it called again? Twine. Uh, Twine is a game making um, fairly easy, accessible game making um, system. It's uh, you can use it online. You don't have to download anything, but you can. Uh, it's open source, which I love. You know, I'm a big open source nerd. Um, And we recently made a very simple game for developers to understand what design user testing and usability testing is. So we were like, well, how can we kind of help developers like really engage with this subject matter rather than, you know, wagging a finger at you should do user testing developers. Um, So we were like, let's try and make a game something interactive and kind of fun. And we did. And I think, you know, uh, experiences that are kind of educational yet interactive in this kind of game space is is really fun so i would really encourage designers to play around with uh, game making tools like maybe unity or maybe twine or maybe some of the more like uh um uh creative kind of coding uh spaces and have a play
0: errol you've given us lots of really great insights to ponder there so just to wrap up to say thank you very much for taking the time to chat and uh very much looking forward to hearing your talk thanks for listening to the understanding users podcast If you enjoyed what you heard, do please like or comment wherever you're listening and feel free to share it more widely. And feel free, of course, to drop me a line with any feedback via LinkedIn or on my website, researchable.uk. Links are in the show notes. Join me next time when I'll be speaking to some of the attendees at UCD Gathering 2022 about their reflections on what they've seen and heard and learnt at the conference. Until then, stay safe and stay user-centred.